0: Look, we're not saying all the other Sports Talk Networks are backwards, but we're pretty sure they all have a favorite e episode. Get on the grid. e This is Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM football full circle. How soon can this program get back to prominence?
2: I've been in L.A. for a few hours here. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of good things going on in this program right now that we can absolutely build on. I think in this day and age with the way college football works you can turn over rosters in so many different ways and we'll be very very deliberate and, and creative and intentional about that. And with again, the, the combination of the staff we're going to bring in, the players we're going to bring in, the leadership that we have, the support we have, you know, how's it not going to work? No time soon enough, but we're going to fight like crazy and and take advantage of every moment.
3: Okay college football full circle Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello getting it started here on the Sports Grid Radio Network, Sirius Channel 159. A lot of things to get into today. Mike Carver on vacation in Baton Rouge or New Orleans or he's, he's trying to track down Brian Kelly after he bolted South Bend. But Rich, it's always a pleasure uh, to talk about the coaching carousel and the updated uh, conference championships this coming Saturday. I do want to break down some news and notes. Uh, Colorado State head coach Steven. Adazio chopped he's out they fired him today Adrian Martinez Rich enters the transfer portal Uh, that's Mm. pretty interesting for Scott Frost three and nine disappointing year Um, but the news of the day happens in in South Bend Marcus Freeman potentially could be the new head coach for Notre Dame Uh, we know that Brian Kelly moved on to Baton Rouge for the LSU Tigers This would be a great hire and really uh, solidify this program if, in fact, they do make the college football playoff.
4: Yeah, it's been a great week, Joe. Uh, Great to be on with you as always. Uh, Yeah, coaching carousel like nothing we've seen before. Last year didn't spin as wild as it normally does. It was an odd year. Some teams didn't play. Some teams played abbreviated schedules, and there weren't as many big coach uh, firings or coach movings. And now this week alone, you got, as you mentioned, Brian Kelly going from Notre Dame to LSU, Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma uh, to USC, lots of big openings. Openings still out there. Uh, Marcus Freeman would be interesting. A highly regarded young coach, highly regarded as one of the top uh, rising defensive coordinators. Many within South Bend thought that uh, he would someday be the successor to Brian Kelly. Is he ready at this point would be my question. Mid-30s, no head coaching experience. Typically at a program like Notre Dame, you're bringing someone who has been a head coach before. Uh, earlier in the week when, when Brian left, my first thought was uh, the the most sensible hire, if they could get him, would be Luke Fickle, but it looks like ND's going to stay in-house at this point.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the thing, uh, the situation regarding Luke Fickle is where the Cincinnati Bearcats are in, in their season, right? They're in the top four in terms of the latest college football rankings. Can they solidify that spot and knock down that door? They have to take care of business against Dana Holgerson and the Houston Cougars. But more importantly, did Notre Dame want to wait? That was the biggest thing. And we heard that, you know, they would wait potentially for Luke Fickle, but mm-hmm. from a recruiting aspect, do you really want to give up that month, yeah. potentially month and two weeks? To wait for Luke Fickle to potentially say, you know, you know what, I'm staying at Cincinnati, mm-hmm. and more importantly, I think that nobody's brought this up is that Notre Dame still isn't out of this thing. And if you know, we heard Gary Barter say that without their head coach, they're potentially out from the college football playoff appearance, barring you know, I, I want to say Armageddon this coming weekend. But if they do make the college football playoff. I mean, he has the potential to coach this team up and really get a stepping stone for next year. And the other factor is, Rich, we saw the progression with Dave Aranda, a coordinator at Wisconsin and Baton mm-hmm. Rouge, takes over in Waco last year, you know, a disappointing two and seven campaign. But in year number two, he's in the Big 12 championship and has one of the most dominant defenses in the conference.
4: Yeah, really good comparison. I like that. I wasn't thinking in terms of Dave Aranda, but I could see the parallels there with Marcus Freeman. uh, Youngish defensive coordinator, no head coaching experience, very cerebral uh, outstanding recruiter, and just to go back to the recruiting in Notre Dame, one of the biggest losses if Marcus Freeman is not promoted would be in terms of recruiting in general. He's an outstanding uh, attractor of talent. Uh, has been a had a big role over uh, you know the last twelve months, and now into this recruiting cycle. If he were uh, say not to get the job, maybe follow Brian Kelly to Baton Rouge and be the defensive coordinator down in the SEC. ND's recruiting class for twenty twenty two or twenty. 20- Twenty one, twenty two 22 would take a severe hit but yeah it's a good call Joe I, I could see a parallel to Dave Miranda who in year two uh, has done a great job and obviously has those Baylor Bears uh, competing for a big 12 title uh, Saturday night in Arlington yeah, when you look at the top or four, Saturday you... afternoon, I should say. I apologize.
3: Yeah, it's going to be a, it, it's going to be a great uh, atmosphere in Jerry's world. When you look at the top four that was released on Tuesday, any any problems with the top four in terms of having Michigan in there, obviously as number two after their dominance, and then having Cincinnati in the four hole. No, I, I, I didn't. I, the
4: one thing I was looking for more than anything else was, uh, does, does Michigan get promoted to number two? I thought that was apropos off of last week's, uh, big win over Ohio state, the only loss against Michigan state. I think Michigan right now heading into the big 10 title game, uh, should be the number two team in the country. So I, I have no problem at all. I I'm, I'm interested in Oklahoma state, you know, great year for Mike Gundy, a uh, great year for that program. And that defense is, uh, they face off against Baylor. Uh, saturday afternoon in that big 12 title game uh you know could oklahoma state with a little bit of help with an with an upset or an alabama loss could oklahoma state be in the uh, college football playoff which would be remarkable
3: yeah knocked off oklahoma for the first time in seven meetings so they they're hitting on all cylinders heading into jerry's world four and a half point favored over the baylor
2: bears we'll be right back keep it where it is
0: The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every
1: sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play.
0: You're listening to College Football Full Circle with Joe Lisi and Mike Carver.
3: Back on College Football Full Circle, Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello, in for Mike Carver, who's marrying a couple this weekend. God help us, but... He's he's locked and loaded down in New Orleans, so we'll give a shout out to Mike. We, we no context
4: off. there, Joe. Marrying a couple, uh, you're not going to give any context for those. Of I, us I who just don't know found
3: the out. I thought he was part of the wedding party. He tells me yesterday that he's actually gonna. He's ordained. I guess he's actually marrying amazing. the couple. It's amazing. God help. Them. I know. God blessings all around to Mike Carver in that. I wish
4: story. I had something interesting on my resume, like I was ordained. <laughs> It's Joe, Joe Lisi is Joe Lisi is ordained to cover college football, so uh, we <laughs> do depends. have that.
3: I'm a certified <laughs> nut when it comes to that, and you know we've had many many situations, Rich breaking down games, but we Some left. Some of off my with,
4: fondest memories, Joe. Yeah,
3: <laughs> we left off with with Mike Gundy and the Oklahoma State Cowboys. They yeah. did get the victory, as I mentioned in Stillwater last week, trailed by nine points in the second half. Spencer Sanders and the crew stepped up, did get that victory. 37-33 to 33. now it's a rematch against the Baylor Bears, we talked about it in terms of that situation earlier in the year, they were basically a 3.5 point favorite, dominated the first half, 14 to nothing. Abram Smith broke a 50 yard run in the second half Baylor had life, Jalen Warren scored that put Oklahoma State up 10 and it was lights out after that point, both teams are playing very well defensively I think the health of Bohannon though does hinder the Mm -hmm. Baylor offense here. Whether he plays or not, still, I lean to Oklahoma State. I think they have better personnel, Rich. And when you have the top-ranked third-down defense in all of college football, that's enough for me. I do feel they win this ballgame convincingly in Arlington.
4: Yeah, I I think the one thing I'm unsure about, uh, as this gets closer, Joe, is the convincingly part. Uh, I, I think Oklahoma State wins. I think they're the more complete team you talked about Gary Bohannon and and his injury uh does he play is he full strength I I think we'll see him but if he's not 100% even a bigger concern against uh that OSU defense there's just something special about the team you saw it uh Saturday night in Stillwater, in Bedlam, you know, a game that they they could have squandered, uh, could have lost that game in the second half. Uh, they wind up pulling out the victory. This just seems like a team of destiny, at least from the Big 12 standard. Uh, th- there's something about these guys that I really like. Their identity is built on defense. A lot of the Big 12, shockingly. I mean, look at this game. Uh, it's so un-Big 12-like. I mean, you're used to offense, offense, offense led by Oklahoma. And now you have have uh the league's two best defenses going at it for uh for a league title i like oklahoma state i I think it's going to be a bit closer the number concerns me a little bit at uh uh, what five and a half at this point so uh, i think it's going to be tighter but i do think we're going to celebrate a cowboy uh conference championship
3: yeah, it's down to four and a half on FanDuel. You gotta check around. It did open up at five and a half. Currently, right now, money coming in on the Baylor Bears. Maybe Bohanan's health has something to do with that. Obviously, a rematch type of situation. And we know Dave Aranda did coach in the semifinal playoff game national championship a couple of years ago. So the pressure won't get to him being the defensive coordinator for LSU. We'll see how that game plays out. But to your point, Rich, about about, you know, untypical Big Twelve type of situation because we see the transition throughout the conference. We see Baylor, defensive-minded head coach with Dave Aranda. We see Oklahoma State transition with the ground-and-pound attack with Jalen Warren. We see Neil Brown, a defensive-minded coach. Chris Kleiman, another defensive-minded coach with Kansas State. Right, Matt Campbell, uh, a blue-collar offense and defensive line guy. Is that potentially, in your opinion, and I'm just asking this straight up, maybe one of the reasons why, Lincoln and Riley maybe moved out west to to Southern California. Obviously, money has something to do with that, but he is an offensive mind, right? And we haven't Mm -hmm. really seen Oklahoma, even though Alex Grinch got this defense to a very respectable level, they still are an elite up at this point in the season.
4: Yeah I, I mean just, you know I, I, I'm just I can't pick uh, Lincoln's brain this is just uh, the the tea leaves that I'm reading I, I, I don't think he was ever happy uh, about the move for Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC. I don't think that sat well with him uh, wasn't going to happen immediately but in a couple of years Sooners would would be playing in the SEC. I, I think he realizes uh, the road to the playoffs and, and a potential, first national championship for him would have been a lot harder in the SEC. So I, I think that pathway uh, out in the Pac-12 from a career standpoint, I think it's a great move. I, I mean, I think if you want to get to the mountaintop, it's going to be a hell of a lot easier uh, in the Pac-12 South than it would in one of the SEC divisions, number one. And number two, you know, just listening to his interviews this week, and I get it. I, I mean, he's just, uh, he, he's a, he's a coach, he's a well-paid coach, but he's just a guy. And I think he's a guy who was looking for a new challenge. That opportunity, that uh, opportunity, To build in a different area outside of the Big 12, outside of Oklahoma, uh, in a city like Los Angeles, at a storied program like USC, uh, with all of that pomp and circumstance, I think the chance to build, to get to that point that Pete Carroll was over a decade ago, I think was very appealing to him. So it's money, but I think the career move and the desire to build back USC, I, I think really was something that spoke to him.
3: Yeah, and obviously we mentioned these quarterbacks. It's a quarterback-driven uh, college football, right? As the quarterback goes, potentially so do the wins and losses. And when you see the talent, like DJU, go to Clemson, you see J.D. Mm-hmm. Daniels, that was the Gatorade player of the year a couple of years ago, started at USC and then made his way, obviously, to the Georgia Bulldogs. Bryce Young, that played at Matter or yep. and now he's with Alabama. To keep that in-state talent, and let's not forget, Chip Kelly put a 62-spot on USC, an offensive mind, that team is starting to head into the right direction and back to a bowl game at 7-5 and five overall. So they needed to to compete on a lot of different levels. So why not get and lure Lincoln Riley? I said it. Snoop Dogg, yeah. Will Farrell, they'll be dusting off yeah. the USC jerseys not before uh, too long to to back the Trojans again. Yeah. Do you feel like the Pac-12... With Riley now and Chip Kelly getting this team back on track can make the college football playoff because now you look at Oregon, right? They had the best shot. Mario Cristobal being mentioned for potentially the Miami job. Is that a better job than Oregon at this point? I mean, I, I mean no. you're going to bolt no. for Miami
4: no, I, that that is not uh, just listen, take my word, that is not a better job, especially from a financial standpoint. I mean, you know, Oregon has Nike money. Miami has had the better part of this century, the 21st century. Miami is not where you want to go if you want to build a program, and you have an option to stay at Oregon. So I, I don't, I don't think that would be a good move at all in terms of the Pac-12 and the playoffs. Uh, listen, I, I don't want to get out over my skis, but I, I think this is a huge win for the entire conference because now you have Lincoln Riley and Chip Kelly in in the same city, in the same division. I know Chip's taken a while to get there, some improvement this year, a lot of improvement this year. Uh, but I think Lincoln Riley's going to attract a different caliber of talent. Uh, you did a great job of laying out those California quarterbacks, Joe. To me, that's the central theme as to why uh, Clay Helton couldn't get it done. I mean, he did early on, but then just you know down the stretch. He could not keep the blue chip, especially quarterbacks, talent within the state of California. I, I think Lincoln Riley will do that based on his reputation, based on uh, all of the Heisman Trophy winners, uh, Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks that he has coached. I think that reputation very far. It's going to help USC. And as USC goes, so goes the Pac-12. I think it's a big win for the conference. And you know, here's a name to keep in mind. I don't know what's going to happen, but you talked about Quarterbacks and, and quarterback talent at being a quarterback-driven sport. You know, does Caleb Williams stay in Norman? Oklahoma doesn't have a coach right now. Does he stay in Norman, or does he follow his coach out to Los Angeles and compete with Keaton Slovis and Jackson Dart, where obviously one or both of those kids will eventually transfer as well?
3: Yeah, that's a great point. And let's not forget, Oklahoma going to lose Spencer Rattler as well. So yep. we'll you have to see how that transpires in Norman. When we come back, we'll break down that Pac-12 championship. Oregon and Utah, Joe Lisi and Ritz Sermonello, right here on The Grid.
0: The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do
1: ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic.
0: Listening to College Football
3: Full Circle with Mike Carver and Joe Lisi. Ripping through the Pac-12 Championship Game Friday night rematch of Utah and Oregon. This game was played a couple of weeks ago. Utah in Salt Lake City were a three and a half point favorite, and people were jumping on the Oregon Ducks in that ball game, 38 to seven was the score for the Utah Utes. They ran all over Mario Cristobal and the Oregon Ducks in that ballgame. Now the game moves to Las Vegas. Oregon now, right now on FanDuel, a 2.5-point underdog, minus 106. They did dominate arch-rival Oregon State last week, laid 7.5 in that ball game, won by double digits. Rich, total set at 57.5, minus 114 to the over. I I went back and forth in this matchup and said Oregon will potentially step up. And then I remember last year where once they won the Pac-12 championship and they had nothing to play for, this team dialed it in against Brock Purdy and Brees Hall on a New Year's Day ball. They got blown out in that matchup. There's nothing to play for here. Mario Cristobal being mentioned for jobs. I'm going to back Kyle Winningham and the crew, even on a neutral field, short number, give me the Utes in this matchup.
4: Boy, I got to take umbrage with one of your comments, Joe. How, how could this be nothing to play for? It's a Pac-12 title. I, I, I know. I mean, but, the the, but the bowl game last year. Uh, yeah, I mean, to me, I. Th- a lot to play for. I, I I think there's the pride of getting spanked at Rice Eccles just a couple of weeks ago, thirty-eight to seven. I, I I think that sticks with these Oregon kids. They got abused uh, in prime time against Utah, and, and and now with a shot at a third straight Pac-12. I, see, I like Oregon in this game. I I, I think everybody's going to look at that outcome. Uh, in November and and see the final score it was sheer domination and just figure you know what here we go again but I think you take this team out of Salt Lake City uh, neutral field Um, Oregon I think has something to prove I think Kayvon has a big game off the edge Anthony Brown will be steady Uh, I like Oregon it's actually one of the games I like uh, quite a bit on Friday night
3: Yeah, when I say nothing to play for, I mean in terms of the big picture, right? You know, two weeks ago, this team was looking at a college football playoff appearance, right? They had everything in front of them. It was all lined up. They were in the top four. All they had to do was take care of business and to not even show up. In terms of any capacity, offensive line, defensive line, completely dominated in that ball game. That's what I mean. Like, like, how could you not step up? How could you not make a better effort? It's one thing to lose, Rich, but they got abused in that ball game. Like there was a lack of focus, lack of preparation.
4: Mm. Yeah. And I, and I think we're going to learn a lot, Joe, Friday night, you know, we've, um, and I think it's justified. We've said a lot of nice things uh, throughout the last couple of years about Mario Cristobal, about what kind of a coach recruiter program builder he is Uh, to your point. I think we're going to learn a lot about uh, how good he is at motivating these kids. I mean, I, I don't think it'll be that hard. If I was on the receiving end of a 31 point uh, loss that that knocked me out of the playoffs. I, I'd come out with a vengeance uh, in Vegas on Friday night if I'm Oregon. I mean, we're going to learn a lot about these kids, and we're going to learn a lot about this coach. Now, it's still Oregon. I, I think if it was, um, you know, playoffs are out of the mix and you're Alabama, or playoffs are out of the mix and you're Ohio State or Clemson, I could see that a little bit more. But I, I still think Oregon is... Uh, I think Oregon is uh, small enough to still covet Pac-12 championships and a shot to make it three in a row. Uh, I also like Mario in this spot. He's been there and done that. Dominated Utah uh, two years ago uh, in the Pac-12 title game 2019. So He has the muscle memory on how to get a team prepared for a a league championship game and I, I think he's going to get it done. It's no re- disrespect to Kyle Whittingham, big fan of him as a coach um, and I like a lot of the players I like what Utah's done with their backfield with Cameron Risen and uh, uh, Tavion Thomas, the transfer from Cincinnati but uh, I think Kayvon puts on a show for NFL scouts and uh, Oregon gets out with a victory.
3: Now, if they do lose any shot that Cristobal bolts, like is that like the final nail for him to say, you know what, uh, you know maybe I should move on? I mean, uh, I mean, do you think he's a more, like a fifty-fifty shot right now, whether he takes another job? Because we've heard Luke Fickle, we've heard some other coaches. Could Mario Cristobal, if he doesn't go to Miami, is there a potential spot where you could see him jumping if the money's right?
4: You know, I don't know what that opening would be. I, I mean, I haven't heard anything about, you know, Mario Cristobal to Oklahoma. I think that would be, just from a career standpoint or a, a brand standpoint, that would be uh, that would be above Oregon at this point. I think Oklahoma is a bigger brand than Oregon. That's, I guess, a possibility. Um, the one that would make the most sense to people who don't know Mario Cristobal is a Miami Hurricane graduate. Yeah, you know, he, right. so he's he's an alum, and if he's not going to Miami, he's been pretty vocal. Uh, not to say that always matters. Brian Kelly was pretty vocal that he wasn't leaving Notre Dame, uh, and we saw how that went. But uh, you know, uh, Mario Cristobal has been pretty vocal that he has no desire to go back to Miami and I don't blame him I think he's in a better spot at Oregon right now um I think it's a good fit uh could an NFL team come calling to Mario Cristobal? I, I think he's got that CEO mentality. Would not shock me at some point if he winds up coaching on Sundays.
3: Yeah, he's like a Matt Rule type, right? We saw yes. him have great success yep. at the college level. FI, and, and I'll say this about Mario Cristobal. In my opinion, when he had Carroll, the quarterback, and T.Y. Hilton there at FIU, I, I, they ran him out of town in, in terms yeah. of I, I thought he should have never have been fired back then. But he's built his career back up. Right, you know, offensive line coach with Alabama and Mm -hmm. doing great things with Oregon. So we'll see how that situation plays out in the rematch. Rich likes Oregon. I like Utah in that ball game. We were talking off air in the break that you love Kenny Pickett and Pittsburgh. Pat Narduzzi now money coming in on the Panthers in the ACC championship game. This game was three much of the week now on Fanduel minus three and a half plus a hundred. On Pittsburgh in this ballgame total now only 71 and a half. People say that's 71 and a half for a conference championship game. That's that's high. Well, it's coming down from 72 and a hook, Rich, minus 110 either way. My heart says take the more blue-collar team, and that would be the Panthers in this matchup. They played in the ACC championship game a couple years ago as a a double-digit underdog to the Davos, Sweeney, and Clemson Tigers. They got blown out in that matchup, but I'm going to roll with Sam Hartman. The fact that they went on the road to Chestnut Hill last week as a favorite, they got it done as a -a five-and-a-half-point road favorite against a very blue-collar team In this spot, catching three and a hook, I think they win the ballgame outright.
4: Yeah, You know what, Joe? Uh, I I like the way you're thinking. I I like pitting this game, by the way. I'll start there. Um, I like the way you're thinking about Wake Forest last weekend. I thought that was a potential trap game. A week after that uh, humbling loss at Clemson, you know, ACC Atlantic uh, Division Championship in front of them that they win. They don't just beat BC on the road. They blow them out 41-10, to 10, which I thought was impressive. Spoke a lot to the to the veteran leadership, not just on the sidelines, but in that locker room as well. I just think Pittsburgh has, in a game that's going to be dominated uh, by the offenses, it's Kenny Pickett versus Sam Hartman. It's the two uh leading scoring offenses in the ACC, 42.9 versus uh, 42.8 for Pitt. I mean, these are two of the top five scoring offenses, great wide receivers, led by Jordan uh, Addison of uh, Pittsburgh. I I think Pitt just has the ability to make that one or two defensive stops. Wade can't really stop anybody of of significance. Uh, I think Pitt can. I think Pitt's got a couple of defensive stoppers, the ability uh, to make a sack here or there. Turnover. I think those one or two stops are going to be the difference. Pit by seven. Uh, I like the Panthers to get win number 11 in their first uh, ACC title.
3: Yeah, it is good to see two different teams in the ACC championship. Obviously, oh, yeah. it's been dominated by the Clemson Tigers to have Pittsburgh there and and Wake Forest and two coaches that are blue-collar, right, Pat Narduzzi and, and Dave Clawson. I mean, fantastic jobs for both of those programs. Narduzzi, I heard, he was potentially rumored to take maybe one of these jobs. I mean... Let me ask you because deeper question. I thought of this, and, and we talk about, you know, Scott Frost. He does get the vote of confidence. But at three and nine, you know, who would go to Nebraska? They were, I think, the Nebraska team as a whole, in terms of, you know, Trev Alberts and this, this board, who are you going to get? You know, is, is Scott the best guy? Maybe you look to a coach like Matt Campbell or you look to a coach like Pat Narduzzi for Nebraska in the future if Scott can't get it done next year.
4: Yeah, I, I listen, I wouldn't go. I just don't think Nebraska's a great job right now. I, the expectations are from to me are far beyond what the reality is. I think because of the caliber of recruits that you get, uh, the history of that program, that's a great fan base. It's one of the best fan bases in the country. You could see Memorial Stadium is week after week, regardless of what the record is, they're just good, decent, um, hardworking, passionate fans. I love the fan base at at Nebraska, but I I don't think the expectations of getting back to where they were uh, in the 80s, the 90s, the beginning of this century is just realistic. I don't think it's a great Job, I, I think the next coach, whoever it's going to be, Joe. I, I think you're going to have to get that that hot mid major and, and and hope that that guy can coach this program up. I know they did it. Hot mid major with Scott Frost, but you know you got to get somebody who's getting it done at a smaller program. Uh, Someone, someone who's similar to like a Billy Napier, who just took the Florida job by way of Lafayette, Louisiana. I think that's the guy you got to get. I just this this one, Joe, is a head scratcher for me. I I was all in on Scott Frost. I thought it was a great move for all kinds of reasons, and it just has not worked out. Yeah,
3: for me, maybe you look to Dave Clawson. I mean, if you could get it done in Winston-Salem like his predecessor, Jim Grobe, coaching up the offensive and defensive lines, has an elite quarterback in Sam Hartman, I'm just saying, baby, maybe Dave Clawson could be leading the Nebraska Cornhuskers in a couple years. We'll come right back. We'll talk big matchups, Big Ten, SEC.
1: It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.
0: You're listening to College Football Full Circle with Joe Lisi and Mike Carver.
3: Michigan dominated Ohio State. They lined open up at eight and a half in favor of the Buckeyes and C.J. Stroud went down to about six. Right before kickoff, Hassan Haskins with a huge day: 169 yards on the ground, five rushing touchdowns, en route to the 13-point win over the Ohio State Buckeyes. Now everything's in front of them: win, and you're in the college football playoff. Jim Harbaugh, you got to take on Kirk Ferentz, Iowa Hawkeyes. They were on the road last week in Lincoln, trailed 21 to nine. Won that ballgame 28-21 right here on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Michigan, a 10.5-point favorite, minus 108 on FanDuel. Total set at 43.5. Juice to the over at minus 112. Rich, I went back and forth because both of these teams played two years ago in the big house. It was a great game, 10-3. Michigan got the win. It was a low-gutty defensive battle. But I said, you know, Michigan, this could be a letdown for them. And then I thought about it. I thought about the Iowa offense with Petrus, And even if Padilla does get in in a backup role, and I said, you know what? Lack of playmakers, one-dimensional. Michigan looks dialed in. I'm going to lay the 10-and-a-half in this matchup.
4: As am I, Joe. Uh, I. It's funny you, the way you, the way you couch this uh, Big Ten title game. I did the same thing because I, I think there's two ways to look at it psychologically. I, half the country thinks that Michigan is is in store for a letdown. Right, the epic. Uh, upset of Ohio State, all that that meant from a rivalry standpoint, that scene in the big house afterwards that that I guess we'd call it a smirk. J- Jim Harbaugh does smile occasionally. It's probably a smirk at the end of the game. And, and, and all is right in Ann Arbor. So, yeah, letdown potential. I tend to agree with you, though. I don't think it's a letdown. I think it's something opposite. I think this program now has renewed confidence that did not exist prior to Saturday's game This is going to be a different, more confident Michigan team. Jim Harbaugh is most successful as a coach when he can ground and pound, when he can bully the opposing team, when he wins at the line of scrimmage, and that's exactly what we saw against Ohio State. The offensive line, as good as Hassan was, and he was great, 169 and five touchdowns, that offensive line was the real hero on offense. I thought Cade McNamara did a nice job of spreading the ball around, and Aiden Hutchinson, David Ajabo in that defense we're fantastic as well. I think this is a confident Michigan team. Iowa wins close games. I just don't think this one's going to be close.
3: I agree with you. I think it's going to be like, you know, 23 to 7. I think it's going to be one of those dominations where they take control from the start of the game to the end. I do like the under. Uh, typically Big Ten championship games trend to the under. Last year, 22 to 10 in favor of the Buckeyes. They were 20 and a half point favorites. Northwestern covered two years ago. It was a higher scoring game with Wisconsin Johnson and Ohio State, the underdog covered yet again. And if you just look at the body of work, you're just supposed to blindly bet the underdog. But I can't do that in that matchup just because you look at the the talent for Iowa. They're a good team, Rich. No, No speed, really, on the perimeter. And if you look at an earlier game when they were hitting on all cylinders, Iowa, against Penn State, They were struggling with that defense, right? Mm -hmm. And then if we're talking about the front seven, when Aiden Hutchinson now that just dominated Ohio State's offensive line, Hutchinson set a single season record now with 13 total sacks for the Wolverines. He's going to be in the backfield early and often on third down situations.
4: Yeah, I, you know, Iowa always has a good offensive line, very strong on the interior, uh, led by their center, best center in the country, Tyler uh, Linderbaum. But uh, off on the edge, they're young. And, you know, Connor Colby is a starting tackle. He's a freshman. Uh, so this is, and he's got a bright future, but he's young. Uh, one uh, Ty, uh, Colby's is going to have to handle one of those edge rushers, either Hutchinson or Ojabo. I don't think it goes well. I, I don't know where the points come from uh, for Iowa. And if you look at their two losses this year, Joe, and I, I think I think you're very close to spot on in, in terms of a final score. I think we saw how this game's going to play out in those back-to-back losses that Iowa had against Purdue, 24-7 loss. Against Wisconsin, solid defensive team, 27-7 loss. I think it could be that type of a game. I don't think Michigan's going to light up Iowa, but if this was 24-7, 27-7, that would not surprise me in the least because, again, to your point, Iowa struggling under center. Uh, Tyler Goodson's a nice running back, but without balance in the passing game, without the speed Speed to stretch that defense unless Iowa like last week against Nebraska finds alternate ways to score points or have a short field I just don't think they're going to have much success offensively
3: yeah I agree with you now if Hutchinson does step up and let's say it's a similar type of performance three sacks where they win this ball game convincingly at 16 to 1 deserving of the Heisman let's say mm-hmm. Bryce Young let's say alabama wins or if they win they'll he'll he'll definitely have to put up numbers against georgia but let's say the alabama wins and they they get let's say 200 yards out of bryce young with a touchdown and a pick okay And, and hutchinson does record three sacks at 16 to one worth the shot here and does he win it in your opinion
4: yeah, I, I, I think there's value. I, I I feel like I have a good pulse on what Heisman voters are thinking right now, Joe. And I, I still think the majority of Heisman voters are saying to themselves, I'm holding my ballot. I'm waiting until the final weekend. I want to see someone on championship weekend knock my socks off because Bryce Young is the favorite. And listen, if Bryce Young solves George's defense, if he's the first player, first quarterback this year to solve George's defense, it's over. Uh, everybody's going to be watching. George has been lights out. Uh, if Bryce Young has a, a solid game and Alabama wins, I think he's your Heisman Trophy winner. I don't expect that to happen, though. I think he's going to have as much problem, especially since, you know, Brian Robinson, the running back's not uh, not healthy. Uh, they don't have a lot of uh running back depth the offensive line got abused by Auburn last week for seven sacks I don't think Bryce Young's going to have a good game Saturday afternoon I think he's going to struggle like everybody else has against Georgia which is going to create an opening because who else is going to win the Heisman it's not going to be CJ Stroud off of last weekend He'll, he'll be top 10 not sure about Kenneth Walker right now. I think he's sort of faded in the in the eyes of the public, and he doesn't play this weekend. I think voters are going to be looking for a defensive player. I honestly believe that if Aiden Hutchinson and or Will Anderson in the SEC title game has a monster effort in a victory, I think one of those two, uh, two defensive players can win the Heisman Trophy.
3: I and agree. Should. And it- all right, and you have tradition on your side. If you if you don't want to back Bryce Young, show me the Alabama quarterback that's won the Heisman Trophy right for that that point you know I mean everybody thought it would be Tua it would be Mac Jones no they 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 withered it down the stretch and, and you could have made the argument that Mac Jones was deserving last year even though Devontae Smith was putting up numbers the voters went in an opposite direction over the last two weeks of the season and now we've seen Hutchinson gaining gaining some momentum obviously you knock off Ohio State for the first time in eight meetings right they lost eight straight in ninth time you get it done, you you record three sacks, I mean, that's a good start heading into championship weekend. When you talk about the SEC championship, and it is a rematch potentially, we've seen Georgia and Alabama go toe-to-toe in the national championship, SEC championship, where Jalen Hurts did pull that ball game out and come from behind fashion a few years ago. Georgia was basically a four, four four-and-a-half point favorite until last weekend after Georgia rolled 45 to nothing over G-Tech, and Alabama struggled to win that ball game on the road in the plains, 24-22. Now Alabama, six and a half point dog. Rich total opened up at 50 and a half, down to 49 and a half, juice to the under at minus 114. I'm going different here. I, I, I you know me with Alabama. I mean, I'm usually against them. But in this spot, I just think Mm -hmm. from a formation perspective, the wide receivers, Mechie, you look at William Williamson, right? You, You look at Latu, the tight end. I don't know if Georgia's seen that type of personnel, and you can make the argument Clemson Week One, but Justin Ross and that offense were inconsistent in that ball game. They really haven't faced an offense that's going to challenge them vertically from a formation and motion standpoint, and that's where I give the edge to the mad scientist Bill O'Brien, but more importantly, Nick Saban.
4: I'm with you, Joe with these two heavyweights uh, in a title bout uh, that this is anything but a close four-quarter game. I I think if you can get – and I understand all of the warts on Alabama this year, back-to-back games in which they've won by seven points or less against, you know, a good Arkansas team and an average Auburn team. So clearly there are problems there. Uh, It's not the elite defense we're used to. The offensive line I mentioned has uh, has plenty of issues – uh, and Georgia's Georgia this year, but I, I listen—it's Nick Saban. And it's Nick Saban with his usual array of blue-chip talent on both sides of the ball. He's got a poised young quarterback in Bryce Young. I think this is a 60-minute battle. I think it's going to be fascinating till the end. Uh, to your point, I, I, Georgia has not been tested this year. Uh, certainly not to the, the caliber that they'll be tested. I, the only time they really were tested, I guess, was Clemson, and that was a 10-3 game. Uh, but but the other thing is, like, I, I don't know what to expect from, from, from Georgia's offense hasn't faced the speed, the size, the power that Alabama possesses. We talked about Will Anderson, but uh, there's more than just Will Anderson on that defense. It's still a talented crew, uh, outstanding in the secondary, and you got to walk on quarterback in Stetson Bennett. It's done a great job, uh, but you know, are we confident that Stetson Bennett can step up in this setting against this opponent? Uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure at this point, so I would take the six and a half points.
3: Yeah, now we saw Stetson Bennett go toe-to-toe for a half with Alabama last year in Tuscaloosa. And then Jalen Waddell and that offense blew it open in the in the second half. Alabama did lay five last year's meeting. Obviously a different team with Mac Jones at the helm. But I do want to ask, does Kirby... Panic in this situation where let's say Bryce gets hot early, let's say Alabama puts up a quick ten, Stetson is struggling. You think he pulls them? You think he pulls them with JT yeah. in the in the mm-hmm. wings? Okay, so this yeah, is yeah. a situation where it's all hands on deck. I mean, there's no way mm-hmm. I don't think Kirby wants to lose this ball game, right? I mean they've been the most dominant team in college football from a defensive perspective all season long. If there's a little chink in the armor entering this ball game, I think he will panic as well because he wants that perfect season. He wants to knock out Nick. He doesn't want to have to reface them in either a semifinal or potential national championship game. Yeah, no, Joe, I agree
4: with you. I I think, uh, you know, some people might say Georgia doesn't have to have this game, and they don't. If Georgia loses this game, I don't care what the final score is. Georgia's in the playoffs. Uh, The the, the regular season stands on its own. But I totally agree with you. Kirby needs it. Uh, Georgia needs it. Uh, Kirby hasn't beaten Georgia uh, during his time in Athens. Um, and I, I love what you mentioned. I'll echo that. He does not want to see Nick Saban again in the playoffs. I, I think he realizes that if he if he knocks out uh, Alabama here and Alabama doesn't get in as a two-loss team, The pathway to a national championship for the first time since 1980 for Georgia is a hell of a lot easier with Alabama out. I'm not saying that Georgia rolls, uh, but their odds to win a national championship get exponentially easier if they win the SEC title game.
3: Yeah, and Alabama did take care of her business last year, did not cover a huge number of 17 and a half, eighteen against Kyle Trask and the Florida Gators. Total did open at 50 and a half down to 49 and a half. I love, love the over in this ball game. Think there will be a lot of points when Rich and I come back. We'll wrap it up with an under the radar championship game. Keep it where it is.
1: 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.
0: You're listening to College Football Full Circle with Joe Lisi and Mike Carver.
3: Wrapping up today's show, an hour flies with Rich and I breaking down all the conference championships, coaches, changes, We'll talk about the Mountain West Championship. Brady Hoke and San Diego State with a dominant double-digit win as a -a 2.5-point underdog against Boise State. Utah State and Blake Anderson doing fantastic things this year, 9-3 overall. Line was basically 5, 5.5 in favor of Brady Hoke and the crew. Now it's ballooned up to 6.5, minus 106 on FanDuel. With the Aztecs, you want to take a shot. With Utah State, they're minus 114, Rich. Total set at 49. and a hook at minus 114 to the over. I lean to Utah State. I love San Diego State but give me six and a half points in a championship game. But my best play is the over. I do feel this sails through the 49 and a half, 50 points in this ballgame. Yeah, just one quick
4: note. You mentioned Blake Anderson. I I, I don't know if it's been announced yet, but I I'm, a, I'm assuming he's the Mountain West Coach of the Year. This is a an Aggie team that was picked to finish fifth in the Mountain Division uh, before the season began. They go ahead and win it. Uh, I, I lean towards San Diego State in this one. Uh, Brady Hoke has also done a really nice job this year. I, a championship time, playoff time. I, I'm going to go with the better defense. Uh, Utah State has some some nice playmakers. Logan Bonner, well, well-traveled well quarterback. Uh, uh, Devin Tompkins, one of the uh, better playmakers that probably nobody is talking about at wide receiver. But San Diego State just gets it done defensively year after year, regardless of who the coach is. Uh, this year being no different. I, I would just invite... Anybody in the audience who has not seen the Aztecs, and that is a uh, that's a three o'clock game on Fox. Check out Cameron Thomas up front. I, I, I think he's one of the most underrated defensive players in the entire country. I think he's a day two type of a, of a draft choice. Uh, uh, give me San Diego State, given seventeen points per game. Uh, I think they cover that number.
3: For Rich Sermonello. Our great producer, Andrew Torres. I'm Joe Lisi. We'll be back tomorrow with a full recap of all the championship games. Best bets. Have a great day, everyone.
1: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's
0: advocate here.
1: Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh,